Hello and welcome back to Revival on the Air today. I'm Ben Campbell and my special guest in this episode is Sue, who has an amazing story to share with us. On the 27th of May 2019, Sue became the oldest living person in the world on dialysis. Both Sue's kidneys failed when she was just a young teenager and she was fortunate enough to be selected in 1969 as a suitable candidate for kidney dialysis. Dialysis machines back then were rather scarce. Sue's life, to say the least, has not been without its challenges. She needs to be attached to a machine three times a week for several hours for her blood to be filtered and has to follow a strict diet and fluid guidelines just to stay alive. Yet despite these hardships, you can hear joy and gratitude in Sue's voice as she relates her story. Listen in to find out how with the help of God's hand in her life and the power of his Holy Spirit, Sue has not only just survived, but thrived and lived a wonderful, full, amazing life with such a positive attitude. Enjoy. Sue. Yes. Welcome to Revival on the Air today. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. We're in your home with all these microphones and technology and equipment. We're here to talk about your amazing testimony and really your amazing life. It starts a few years ago, doesn't it? Well, next week, actually, on the 27th of May, Mm -hmm. I would be the longest surviving person on dialysis in the world. My goodness. 50 years is a long time, but my testimony actually goes back further than that because it's really a miracle that they took me on dialysis In 1969, when I first started dialysis, there were only four positions available and at that time each case had to go in front of a group of doctors and they would make the decision whether uh, this person would go on dialysis or not. So for those that don't understand, why are you on dialysis? Both my kidneys failed Mm -hmm. when I was a young girl. Mm -hmm. I had health problems growing up and... By the time I was 14, both my kidneys had failed. Wow. So I was really facing dialysis then, but at that point in time, there weren't a lot of machines available. So when the doctors are assessing whether you're going on or not, I assume those patients that didn't make it into the four... They would no longer be here. Yeah, wow. There were three doctors. Two of them said that I wouldn't be suitable to be on dialysis, first of all, because they never had a person as young as myself and they didn't think that I would be able to cope with the restrictions of fluid control and diet control and also the emotional toll of Mm. being a young person on dialysis. So how old were you at the time, Sue? I was 15 at that time. I remember at one doctor's appointment afterwards, Mum said, how would you feel if they put you on a kidney machine? And I said to Mum, forget it, I don't want to go on a kidney machine. And she actually freaked out because I didn't know that this is actually what they were thinking. So when these three doctors were making that decision, two of them said, no, I wouldn't be suitable. But one said, yes, I think she will be okay because it had to be unanimous. They sent me off to a psychiatrist. So he made that decision that I would be 
capable of life on dialysis. And I imagine at the time they probably would have had to ask you about whether or not you're up for the they, regime of the dialysis. didn't say anything to wow. me. Okay. I was totally in the dark. Everything was really discussed with my mum and dad mm -hmm. because I didn't know what a dialysis machine was. I thought that, yes, I'm sick, but I'm going to get better again. But then when that decision came, the next day they whipped me into surgery and I had an AV shunt put in my leg. What's an AV shunt? It's a tube connected to an artery and a vein which can be split in half and then connected to bloodlines on a dialysis machine. Both my kidneys had failed and a year and a half after I was put on dialysis, they took both kidneys out. Mm -hmm. So I've been without kidneys for 49 years. Okay, so can you just explain what a dialysis machine actually does? A dialysis machine takes the place of your kidneys. It takes away the toxins and the waste products, exactly what your kidneys do. So it's basically a filter. Yes, and it keeps the chemicals in the blood even because there's a lot of electrolytes in the blood and that which have to be filtered out mm -hmm. and they have to be balanced out and that's where a solution which is called a dialysis comes in and that washes the blood. This is not a every now and then thing that needs to happen. This is a fairly regular occurrence for you, isn't it? When I first started, it was 14 hours twice a week. So you're on the machine for 14, 14 hours, hours twice a week. Then I went on home dialysis for three times a week for 10 hours. Now, of course, over time, technology has improved and now it's three times a week and I do four hours. Mm -hmm. I can't miss a dialysis. Or what happens? Have you ever missed a dialysis? No. Regardless of whether I've got the flu or I'm not well, your blood has to be washed out. So everything that I eat and drink stays in the bloodstream until I go to dialysis and then it gets filtered out. Kidneys normally do. They filter the blood. Well, that all stays in my bloodstream and if that doesn't get washed out, well, then... I can be in serious problems. Mm. So you mentioned before that there was a requirement for a relatively strict diet and regime. Is that still in place today? It's still in place, yes. I'm only supposed to have 600 mils of fluid a day, which I'm quite used to. I usually have a little bit more. but So when you say 600 mils of fluid, that includes water as well, does it? Everything. Yeah, right. Why only 600 mils? What does that... Well, that's as much as the body can really take. I can drink a litre, but... Yeah. That litre has to find room in the blood supply. Yeah. Oh, I see. Right. Okay. The blood gets diluted mm. and the heart has to pump that extra fluid around. Yeah. yeah. The heart expands. Yeah. And when you're on dialysis and the fluid gets removed, well, then the heart contracts again. Right. With taking off too much fluid, right. your heart will become floppy. So the dialysis is not only just taking out the toxins from the blood, but it's also... It takes out the fluid. takes out the fluid, right. Okay. Also, there's requirements of diet. I'm not allowed to have too much food that's got a lot of potassium, like bananas and tomatoes and mm -hmm. things like that, although I can have a little bit, mm -hmm. but not a lot. When potassium builds up in the blood, it affects the muscles and because the heart is a muscle, if you have too much potassium, your heart would go into cardiac arrest and that was it. So wow. there's a 
a lot of things yeah. to consider. Yeah, I can imagine. Clever machines, really, aren't they? <laughs> they, they are, yes. But not nearly as clever, not even close to being as clever as uh, God created our bodies to be in the first place. When no. you think of all of those mm. intricacies mm. and the whole argument for mm. evolution, mm. Was if the kidneys didn't work at the very beginning, there would be no us. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's that's so true. Yeah, yeah. So, where did your journey with God start? Well, I've always been a believer in God, even right from a little girl. My mother she taught me how to pray a little German prayer, and every night I'd pray. My dad, he was a Roman Catholic but not a churchgoer, but Mum and I, we often spoke about God. In actual fact, when I started dialysis, my mum had thought it would be a good idea for you to go through confirmation because I was Lutheran, you see, so I was confirmed in the Lutheran church. I mean, it was a lovely ceremony but nothing happened, you know. (laughs) Years later, I did a Bible correspondence course. I really, really wanted to know what was going to happen to me when I died Mm. because your life is only as long as the next dialysis. What sort of expectation did they give you on your length of life back when you were at that age? They didn't know. Mm. They didn't know. Yeah. I read once that on judgment your name will be in the book of life and that's really what I wanted. I wanted to have my name in the book of life. I used to read Kubler-Ross's books on death and dying. I just wanted to know what was going to happen and I tried reading my Bible, I tried looking at scriptures and I could not find the answer in my Bible because obviously I wasn't looking in the right place. So in 1987... I'd already been on dialysis for 35 years. Mm-hmm. My dad since then had passed away and it was just mum and I. There was a knock on the door and this lady came in. She said, guess what? I've been baptised by full immersion. I received the Holy Spirit and I speak in tongues. And mum and I just looked at her and we thought, what is she telling us? So did you know this lady? or She was a former neighbour. Okay. And always when she came, she always had problems. And for her to have something positive to say, that really took us back. Wow. She wasn't learned or anything like that, but she had a Bible there and she showed us scriptures. And, yes, I could see it for myself, but, you know, I couldn't see it. But that night in bed, I was tossing and turning and thinking, is this the truth? Mm. And it was like two people on my shoulders saying (laughs) yes and no, yes and no. Anyway, by morning I completely forgot it. A couple of months went on and this was on a Sunday. Mum had a coughing fit. All of a sudden she was in such bad pain. I had to call the locum. He gave her a morphine shot. The next day, Mum had x-rays and she'd fractured a vertebrae through coughing. Right. The day after I was at work, this same lady came and said, the Lord sends me. What's wrong? This was to see your mother? Yeah, to see Mm -hmm. my mum. Mum explained what had happened and she said, okay, I'll lay hands on you and pray, which she did. 
she prayed and then she left. When I got home, Mum was already asleep. The next morning I looked in to see how Mum was and there she was out of bed doing these exercises. She'd been completely healed. The Lord completely healed her. Wow. We found these leaflets in the letterbox. So what did you and your mum think about that? I said to mum, we've got to go. I didn't want to go because of a healing. I wanted to go because I wanted to know the truth. I wanted to be right with God. I read all the scriptures and I thought, this is right. I found what I was looking for. I went to six meetings. It was at the time when they had the ministry in America that folded with Tammy Baker. Oh, yeah. And I didn't want to get caught up in anything like that. But the meeting before, I thought, I want to belong to these people. And I knew unless I got baptised, I wouldn't belong. I got baptised by full immersion. The next week, Mum was being baptised, I received the Holy Spirit. That was the most amazing thing in my life because all of a sudden I knew the truth. Mm. And two hours later... Mum also received the Holy Spirit, the Bible evidence, the speaking in tongues. It was amazing. Wow. And so how old were you at that stage? I was about 35, okay. 36 maybe. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not too good with the maths. So here you are finally understanding the truth after such a really a long search, I imagine. It was. And Mum and I always spoke about God. We always wondered what the purpose was of this life not why I'm on dialysis or anything like that, but we just wanted to know because Mum, she went through the Second World War and she was a refugee. She just made it out of Germany before the Russians came. She made it the last train out. Wow, that's pretty So, amazing. I mean, the Lord had her mm. in the sights way before then. My life took such a turn for the better. You know, I mean, I was always happy and things like that, but now I knew that there was something more in my life. It's amazing to have that absolute reassurance and knowledge mm. rather than just a, oh, I wonder if. Yes, it's a knowledge. Four years later, I married my husband, mm -hmm. <laughs> Roger. Mm -hmm. That was an amazing miracle too. He never knew what dialysis was and I had to go to Queensland for a month to help him decide what he was going to do, whether he was going to commit his life. And I said to the Lord, well, Lord, I'll give it until end of October and if nothing happens, well, then I'll just be happy serving you. I came back from Queensland. We had a zone camp. We were walking along the beach and Roger was going to say something, but he never did. <laughs> So the next meeting was a Tuesday. That was November the 1st when Roger turned to me and said, I think I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't say it on the beach but he said it in a meeting yes. later, did he? <laughs> he did, he did. And, I mean, looking back, because I gave the Lord until end of October and here it was, the first day in November. So how would you be? The Lord's got a sense of humour. <laughs> We got married in 91. That's we the had, same year I got married. Yeah. I got married in 91 as well. Yeah, well, it was an absolutely wonderful life. We enjoyed picnics and fellowshipping and it was just wonderful. Mm. Unfortunately, after mum passed away, I became really sick. I had some seizures and 
when I came out of these seizures, I was paralysed from the knees and elbows down. I couldn't walk. And suddenly Roger became a full-time carer. Mm. He took that role willingly and we still able to do things together. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was still such a blessing. A number of people have told me that you are one of the most inspiring and happy and uplifting people that they've ever met. Why is that? Because many will look at your personal circumstances and say, that's a pretty tough hand to be dealt. Why are you so happy? Well, I don't know, Ben. (laughs) I can only put it to the Lord's strength inside of me. I know I've always been positive. But then again, the Lord has always looked after me. Even Mm. from a young child, the Lord has always been there. Mm. When Roger passed away, he passed away two years ago. Mm -hmm. I think, Lord, thank you for taking Roger at that time because Roger said to me, Just before he had an accident, he said, Sue, I love the Lord so much. I just want to be with him. Mm. And a couple of days later, a van collected him Mm. and was knocked over. Mm. I just looked to that and I think, well, Lord, you know what's best. Mm. Since then, I have had so many blessings. It's been humbling in a sense because Roger and I did everything ourselves. I suddenly needed help with transport to and from dialysis. I needed help in the mornings. I thought, wow, I wasn't old enough to get help from an aged care service provider. Okay, yep. So my area leader, David Haynes, set up a roster. So many people put their names on this roster and there's still saints coming in the morning. I couldn't even open the blinds myself. We just bought these new blinds. They were with these metal Mm -hmm. chains. Mm -hmm. I could close them, but I couldn't open them. I had someone coming in, opening the blinds for me, doing breakfast. It's been absolutely incredible. Mm. Since then, I've had them done with remote control, but I've had so much help. The love of the fellowship and the love of the brethren is absolutely amazing. And it just lines up with exactly Mm. what we read in scripture about how we should look after each other and how we should care for each other. Mm, It's amazing. How old are you now? Can I ask that? 66. You're 66? Clickety click. Clickety click. So you've been on Dallas for nearly 50 years. 50 years next week. 50 years next week. What do the doctors say about that? Well, Toby Coates, he's my renal specialist. When Roger passed away, he was in Paris and he gave me a phone call to see how I was. He's a very caring doctor and he himself didn't think that I'd make it two more years. Mm. What has really impressed him was the fellowship, how everyone's rallied around. He never thought that I would be able to make it. Mm. And even these last three months I've had one thing after another go wrong that I was really thinking I'm not going to make it to 50, that I've got one week to go and I'm still here. So I mean, your whole life has really been an amazing blessing, hasn't it? It's been a different sort of life. I mean, I haven't been able to do what normal people do, although I've had a job and I've enjoyed myself. We've had holidays, but it's just not an average type of life. Mm. You mentioned before you married Roger that you said to the Lord, Lord, if that's not right, that's okay. I just want to serve you. Mm. Tell me about a life serving the Lord. What does that look like? Because 
many would say that because of your illness, your ability to serve the Lord is probably mm. diminished compared to perhaps somebody who's who doesn't have that illness, but I imagine that's not the case. No, well, the thing is there's always the need to pray for people. I was still driving at that time and I could visit people, just supply some fellowship or I was ready to do whatever, mm. mainly just to pray and maybe make a meal for someone or just be a friend to mm. someone. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's good. So what other miracles have you seen over your years? Well, after I received the Holy Spirit, my blood tests came back extremely high and so one of the doctors thought that I might be heading for liver cancer. So he sent me off to a gastroenterologist or whatever. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, there was a prayer and fast. So, of course, I went out for prayer. Anyway, they did a test and that test came back perfectly clear. Mm -hmm. And there's another one. This was before they invented EPO. EPO is an injection that we get once a week to help boost our haemoglobin. Well, before EPO, I needed blood transfusions. Every second month I had to have a blood transfusion. And in that time, there's a lot of viruses that you can catch mm. through these blood transfusions. And up until 2000, I was always negative. And then all of a sudden, there was a spike in the hep C blood test. So the doctor decided he would do a more comprehensive test, mm -hmm. which was done and it showed I was negative. But the next time I came to see him, he was looking through the notes and he was shaking his head and he said he can't understand it. You've had the virus, but it's dead. Wow. So the wow. Lord killed that virus. Wow, so that's amazing. I just say praise the Lord and he said, yeah, whatever. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, my fistula was starting to give problems. This was about three months ago. So what's a fistula? An artery and a vein sewn together in the arm and it becomes a really thick vein so they can put needles in. Right. There's 1,400 mils per minute that flows through this fistula. The doctors thought that there might be an infection in the fistula and that, and so they brought me in. Well, while I was in hospital, this fistula burst. Oh, I'm sure that's now, not good. Had this fistula burst at home, mm. I wouldn't have been here. Wow. Because there was blood everywhere. Yeah, I can imagine. See. Praise the Lord, I was in the right place yeah. at the right time. Yeah, yeah. wow, that's amazing. Yeah. No, there's so many things that the Lord's had his hand on that I don't even think about them anymore. It's easy to forget all of the wonderful mm. things just on a daily basis, the little things, the small things that the Lord does for us, mm. let alone all of the amazing big things that he does for us. Have you ever had any times during your illness where you've perhaps not been as positive, where you've questioned or felt, Lord, why haven't you healed me yet? No, not as much, but three months ago I was pretty low mm. because they were going to send me here, there and everywhere and I wasn't aware what was happening because they'd given me these amazing sleeping tablets because I hadn't slept for a while so they decided they'd give me this sleeping tablet and I was out cold from Sunday to Tuesday. And in that time, they, 
they had made this decision that they were going to send me to rehab, I didn't know anything about it. They mm. said she's not walking and this is happening and that. And I actually thought of just stopping dialysis. But I still went on dialysis. It's very easy to say I'll stop dialysis. But the Lord doesn't want that. Mm. It has to be of the Lord. Mm. It's interesting because if the Lord wanted you, he would have taken you long before now. That's right. Maybe there's someone else that needs to hear your testimony. Maybe there's someone else you need to talk to because mm. you're a walking miracle. Yeah. Mm. Do you have a favourite scripture? I do have a favourite scripture. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Mm. And so why does that one talk to you? Well, we can't do anything in our might. It's not our strength. It's going to be the spirit that's going to renew us. Mm. And the Holy Spirit does renew us day by day. I wouldn't be here without. Mm. I wouldn't change my life for anything because I've had a really wonderful life. I've had really good parents. Mm. I can't say that I've had any sadness really mm. in my life. I know I was upset when Dad passed away and then when Mum passed away and, and then Roger passed away. But that's all part of life. Mm. But the Lord has given me an abundance of good times too. Yeah. I think probably because my needs are small, I don't need a lot. It's the positive attitude that I think that makes the difference, isn't mm. it? And then just the reassurance and knowledge and understanding mm. that God's got you, he's got you back. There's plenty of people that will find a lot of things in life to complain about, to stress about, to mm. be worried about that in the natural really pale into insignificance compared to the challenges that mm. you've faced physically. Mm. It's probably a bit like that lady that came and witnessed to you the first time around. Mm. You know, mentioned that she had nothing positive to say. And then all of a sudden she brought God's word. I mean, what a pearl. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Amen, yes. Mm. Thanks for sharing. That was That's really good. You're welcome. It's an amazing testimony. Yeah. How good was that? A big thanks to Sue for a truly inspirational story of the physical endurance but the supernatural mental and emotional strength. I can only imagine what your life might have been like had you not responded to God's call. I think for many people, we often get wrapped up in all of the issues that life throws at us. And many of these things we stress about pale into insignificance when you understand the hardships that someone with failed kidneys has to endure. What we can do is all draw from Sue's great example, her thankful attitude to what God and his son Jesus has done for her, and her attitude to serve, and the impact that these attitudes have on her life. If you'd like to hear more about how to access the same empowering Holy Spirit and to find a loving family of God in which to be part of, then visit www.therevivalfellowship.com or send me an email via podcast at revivalontheairtoday.com. I hope you'll tune in again. You can subscribe on your favourite podcast app or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Revival on the Air Today. If you'd like to listen to other recorded episodes of how God has worked wonders in the lives of others, then we've got more than 35 other great episodes for you to listen to. Until next time, God bless. <music>